Hello, hello, hello everyone and welcome to Injected Podcast where we are injecting positive vibes into all of our lives. Hi everyone. Hi everyone. Make sure you leave us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and use the hashtag Injected Podcast on Twitter. Yep, yep. And guys, we have such an amazing guest with us today um you know we just like to give you nice things so <laughs> would you <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself yes of course i love you know what you guys are so hilarious i just need to say that um, <laughs> um but my name is jenny jenny okolo um i am a mental health therapist speaker um, advocate for you know women's health, women's rights, especially in terms of education around healthcare. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also a fellow podcaster as well, um, so I'm always super we excited to be like back in the space, but not in like my familiar space, but on mm-hmm. other people's podcasts. Um, and yeah, I am all about you know wellness and just like I said, educating people about their mental health and. Um, and also because I work in a criminal justice setting as well so um, I'm mm-hmm. very passionate about just ensuring that people receive the, the right care whilst they're going through the criminal justice mm-hmm. system at whichever stage um, and yeah that's me in a nutshell oh <laughs> my amazing. gosh that is amazing amazing um, yeah if you if you guys don't know who we are as well sorry I forgot that um, I'm Alexandra <laughs> I'm Diana. Welcome, guys. But amazing. You've got so Welcome. much. You've got so much on. You sound so busy, uh, but yes. it's so interesting. Like all of the areas are so it interesting. Gets super, super busy. But do you know what? I love it. Like at times, I'm like, Jesus Christ, why do I like so many things? Um, <laughs> can I just, just like one thing? But I do. I do love it. Honestly. Just so multi talented. Yeah, I've got so many talents. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I love it as well. Because actually one thing that I did want to ask because um, kind of a lot lot of your um, titles, it says that you're an occupational therapist. Um, So I just wanted to ask, um, and yeah, this might be like, you know, excuse me if this is a silly question, but apparently there's no such thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but if any of our listeners are like me, yeah what exactly is occupational therapy because mm. i feel like in my head i'm thinking of something that it most definitely probably isn't uh, i think i know <laughs> I what you think... might be thinking <laughs> yeah so okay what i what i always have thought of it was because i i hear occupational therapy then i also hear physiotherapy okay. like kind of like as in like as in next to each other but i don't know why in my head i was thinking of occupational therapy and why am I thinking of acupuncture that doesn't make no <laughs> sense oh wow that's a new one yeah that's a dumb that is a new yeah, one. So I don't yeah I don't know why that always came into my head but only like the other day I was thinking hold on occupational therapy occupation that means job maybe it's something to do with that <laughs> yeah. yeah do you know what you're not you're not far off and honestly like I get this question all the time but I do understand because um you know we are sort of like multifaceted in terms of like our role and the spaces mm-hmm. that we occupy um so essentially occup- so the difference between occupational therapy and physiotherapy is that physiotherapy they focus more on like the anatomy they focus more on like mm-hmm. um you know doing certain exercises to help you 
physically it's me- it's mainly just physically that they mm-hmm. sort of help you in, mm-hmm. in a sense whereas occupational therapy uh, whilst we might also sort of focus on the anatomy but we we focus more on like the things that helping you do the things that you um aren't able to do anymore right so for example um OT, okay ot is a, just an abbreviation for occupational therapy so ot's who work in physical health settings right so uh working with those mm-hmm. who have had a stroke we would work with them over a series of weeks or months to help them to for example walk again to help them to attend to their personal care again right uh, whereas okay. a physiotherapist will sort of work specifically maybe on the muscles only and like you know getting mm-hmm. them um well in that sense um i work in mental health settings right and that that would basically mean that i support people mentally in terms of getting back to doing the things that they um aren't able to do right due to their mental illness that limits their functional ability so for example somebody who um after maybe having a psychosis and you know being unwell for a long period of time isn't able to um socialize for example right they they get anxiety so Mm -hmm. then we would help them with um, maybe one-to-one sessions or great gradually getting them into group situations so that they can um, communicate with other people effectively or we Mm -hmm. help them with certain skills like somebody who's you know never been able to sort of cook for themselves but were expected to discharge them into the community how are they going to do that right so Mm -hmm. giving them those basic skills so um, we focus on ADL skills, which stands for activities of daily living. Um, mm. We all participate mm-hmm. in it. Uh, we just have like different mm-hmm. sections that we focus more on. Um, and you know what? Like, like I said, it's not a silly question because a lot of the time, um, especially people who might not work within the healthcare industry or some, to be honest, even people who are in the healthcare um, sector they only sort of focus on like the main titles so like nurses doctors mm, uh, yeah you know mm-hmm. but actually there are so many different types of professions uh, there's so many different mm-hmm. types of therapists that serve different purposes like you've got cbt therapists yeah. you even got art therapists as well right you've got psychotherapists cool. mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you've got us too so um there's a variety of different professions that can help you in specific areas of your life um, but I know occupational therapists um, can easily be confused for occupational health, right? Mm. So that's what people okay. understand to be like in the workplace. And to be fair, we do yeah. share some similarities because it's a, all of, occupational health is all about getting back into work, right? Or uh, making adaptations in a workplace so that you can uh, function as mm-hmm. well as you can. So OTs, in a sense, we do mirror similar things too, but what occupational therapists were not just um work-based were clinical um was clinical therapists okay work as part of like the multidisciplinary teams in hospitals um or in prisons like where um i've worked in or in community Mm -hmm. settings so those are the main differences uh but just think of occupational therapists as people who help you do things again right an occupation mm-hmm. isn't just a mm-hmm. job. It can also be like getting back into hobbies. It can also be like sleep hygiene. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's so okay. interesting. That's amazing. Because I think that's something that just like people, like we never actually get that full kind of understanding and that full breakdown of what the difference is and how actually it's not just about all oh, getting back up and going to work again. It's actually like, how do you navigate 
day to day how do you navigate your life again kind of thing yeah. and get back into that because that can be like very daunting and I think that's something like we don't actually take into account and also with what you said about um with like there's lots of different types of roles within the mm. within the medical system within the healthcare as well and that is something that I keep trying to to be honest I, I try and tell like my little cousins stuff like this as well I'm just like you know like you don't you don't just have to be you don't you don't not not even like just just as in like you know minimizing yeah. the role of course <laughs> like it's like there's there's other things you can do you, you don't you don't only have to think oh all there is to do in medicine is to be a doctor mm. there's there's other aspects of it there's other ways to get into it and other things that you can do where you'll still be like having a massive impact on like how loads of people's lives um yeah yeah and i guess it's yeah go carry on go on (laughs) you guys go i was just gonna say that you know for me i i didn't know what occupational therapy was right before Mm. like when Mm -hmm. i was in secondary school even like like my first year of sixth form, I had no clue. Uh, I actually wanted to, well, first of all, I wanted to become a psychologist at Fell Psychology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought, okay, maybe this Everyone isn't it for it. me. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, yeah, I really we, enjoyed we, it. we all did not do well. <laughs> but the thing is, right, I really enjoyed it. So it was a shock to me, like seeing that mm. you. So I, just, oh. <laughs> I was like, wow, God, oh, it's gosh. just a sign. Um, and then I wanted to get into nursing and I was like, oh gosh, my grades mm-hmm. in biology aren't that great. Like literally, mm-hmm. I I mean, I passed, but I got an E. So I was thinking, yeah. wow, this really isn't for me, this like sort of science <laughs> science. <laughs> So I actually went onto the NHS website. Oh no, uh, we went on placement. So actually this was in year 11, we went on placement. And um, I, you know, fortunately, mm-hmm. I got a placement at Maudsley Hospital. So Maudsley is a psychiatric hospital in South London, mm. and okay, that's where my amazing, eyes, well done, thank you. That's where my eyes sort of like <laughs> open. I was like, wow, yeah. Who are you? Who are you? What do you do? You work in for the NHS, yeah. like, and that's sort of how I started to come across different health professionals. So I always tell people mm-hmm. like, you know, if you wanted, if you want to go into the medical field always try and do a placement right shadow different people because yeah the different types of roles um that you will see often aren't you know glamorized or advertised mm-hmm. like in the public but actually they're very mm-hmm. good roles and also in terms of progression like they pay really well you know mm-hmm. yeah. sometimes even yeah. more than a doctor i have to say yeah. so- see and this is the thing like yeah this is what i've been trying to say i'm just like look like because basically I've got um, a younger cousin who she wants to study medicine and she wants to be a doctor and I'm just like okay look but we need we need to look at the statistics okay how much money can you make what can what else can you do because you know trying to live it's not it's mm-hmm. not fun Easy. like and I'm just you know I'm trying to just let her know I'm just like okay let's look at lots of different avenues it's not just focus on on one thing and think oh this is the only thing let's try and and I'm I'm just trying to be just that person who can at least be like okay what other avenues that are there and actually open open their eyes to be like there are lots of options in that so you know just explore and don't feel like you need to be limited just to one route um because unless someone tells you like you're not gonna know just yeah yeah. and that's the thing schools right uh you know i have to put back in my time we had yeah we had sort of like work experience days or like people coming in right Mm -hmm. but they were very generic people, like bankers, um, yeah. you know, just like yeah. popular roles. 
I remember mm-hmm. when I finally decided that I wanted to study occupational therapy, you know, like during UCAS, when you do your personal statement, I had nobody to help mm-hmm. me. No teacher could help mm-hmm. me. I was left to my own yeah. devices. Luckily, one of my, actually my head of year, his wife, his wife's friend was an occupational therapist and he was able to link me oh, with wow. her. But it was good. just by chance. But Amazing. You would be, you'd be amazed by like, how many students are you know would be interested in different types of roles yeah. if they were given the opportunity mm-hmm. to learn about them a hundred percent i yeah, think exactly with, with like the stuff right now everyone is obsessed with like true crime and serial killers there's constant documentaries and everyone's mm-hmm. so interested in learning about how did someone get get to the place that they're in um how did they like what what is their time like in prison everyone is so interested in this stuff but it's so rare that you come across someone that works in that industry like i just you're the first person mm-hmm. that i've come across that actually works <laughs> with like people um like in the criminal justice system like coming from like the mental health kind of like lens but i think um I think the only way you can really learn about it is by looking online and by like following people online. So your platforms Mm -hmm. must be really great for that because there's not, it seems like such a niche area, even though everyone is so interested in this, this kind of stuff at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes I, I I think I do need to um, sort of start talking more about like the type of work I do in these like mm. uh, forensic settings even saying the word forensic sometimes some people are like oh my gosh what is that but no yeah. it's literally just like yeah. you know it stands for like you know criminal justice settings um, but I was you know what I was just like everyone else I was so obsessed with CSI CSI mm-hmm. Miami CSI New York <laughs> like all of them literally <laughs> prison break yes um, prison break so <laughs> I you know I, I had that interest anyway so when it was actually my final placement during my training they sent me to Broadmoor Hospital oh, wow. for those who don't know mm-hmm. Broadmoor Hospital is one of the most like high profile high security um, psychiatric um, hospitals where you know you've probably heard stories of who they've had in there right mm. um, or you could sort of search it up too yeah um, <laughs> and you know when I before I went there I had a uh, to be honest I had a very stereotypical view of what the place could be like you know I thought wow mm. they'll be full of like crazy people and <laughs> you know it's scary and all beds. that kind of stuff yeah. right exactly but actually when I went in there I was so surprised like they had mm. a recovery college they had obviously of oh, course wow. they have people who are severely mentally unwell and mm. high risk hence why they mm-hmm. put them in there right but they put them in there not in a sense of like punishment but more so for like Mm -hmm. treatment and trying to rehabilitate them and trying to you know give them the best quality life because at the end of the day they do Mm -hmm. have a mental illness Mm -hmm. right now working in a prison it was slightly different because obviously Mm. yes in the prison you do have your inpatient um mental health units as well for Mm -hmm. those who are mentally unwell um but then also like I think for me, I'll be honest, what was a bit tough for me was working with those who didn't have like a specific mental health problem, but maybe might have developed mm. something whilst they've been in yeah. prison. And, but it's like you said, like I, I was always curious about how did somebody get to that point of committing mm-hmm. such a terrible crime, right? There must be a reason. And I'm not sort yeah. of justifying, you know, you know, the crime that they did and everything. Mm-hmm. But for me, my viewpoint is one of the, massive ways we can reduce criminal activity and we can re- reduce reoffending is by getting to the root of uh, mm-hmm. what these problems are and mm-hmm. often the root isn't it's, 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 
you know, it's social economic status. It's, mm. you know, traumatic events. You know, some of these people, they, they might have come mm-hmm. from a different country or they might have had like, you know, terrible, terrible experiences mm-hmm. in their childhood that has, you know, and it it alters the brain. We, we don't mm. we don't actually realize how powerful the brain is, especially when it has like yeah. you know experienced traumatic events, and mm. everybody reacts in a different way. And unfortunately, some people they go down the path where they you know end up committing a crime. So for me, it was really interesting to sort of be in a space where I'd be walking on you know I'd be walking on the wings, and I'd be trying yeah. to you know do all these like the cognitive assessments on uh, on the offenders and trying to like you know get them to a place where you know we can truly understand what's happened so that we can see okay what's the way forward and sometimes the way forward wasn't necessarily to be released right sometimes Mm -hmm. it was just to sort Mm -hmm. of work keep on working on like some of their issues because it's you know it's long lasting some of the stuff that they've sort Mm -hmm. of been through so i always say like if you want to work in forensics like obviously you've got to have the interest in it but you've got to be the sort of person that's willing to look beyond the person's crime and mm-hmm. you know, be very yeah. empathetic as well. And having empathy mm-hmm. doesn't mean you agree with the crime. I, I, you know, usually I never, most of the time I never agree yeah. with the crime, right? Yeah. It's, it's a crime that's mm-hmm. been done. But um, again, I, I love working with people who obviously have some sort of mental health condition um, or a mm-hmm. neurodevelopmental condition. That's another thing people don't realize mm-hmm. that there's a high rate. Okay of especially black and ethnic minority um offenders who mm-hmm. are in prison with autism with mm-hmm. adhd who yeah. aren't able to understand social cues and you know mm-hmm. yeah. have been left untreated for so long and you know unfortunately they've ended up mm-hmm. here yeah it's such a shame even that um because that is just like just commenting on on that it's just that it's like you've heard a lot of times where um didn't it happen recently as well in the UK where someone um who was um, neurodivergent and they were targeted by police and arrested and it's just kind of like and I think wasn't it, wasn't it didn't they try to say he had a screwdriver or something and he didn't actually have on anything the bridge. on him um, was it on the bridge and yeah, then he fell yeah. in the, the I think so yeah yeah I think so and it's just like a lot a lot of the time like we like a lot of the police are just not even equipped to kind of have empathy and know how to deal with people who may be neurodivergent and instead just think that oh they're um for example like a menace to society Mm -hmm. or something because oh they're acting a bit odd and it's just like actually like you guys actually need to be also trained in understanding and recognizing that not everybody is the same and then also that not all um kind of disabilities as such are visible as well which is Mm. that's you know that's a slogan that tfl loves to use and they have spread all over everywhere (laughs) just about Mm -hmm. how not all illnesses are um visible but but it's like it's not actually something that's even that's practiced properly like in in a lot of uk institutions yeah absolutely Uh, i'll tell you something like um and i had this discussion with um who was it? it was like another well, it's another occupational therapist and some other like health professionals too, right? Our training. Mm-hmm. In our training, so I'm dual trained. I'm uh, mm. trained in physical health and I'm trained in mental health, right? Hence why I can sort of work mm-hmm. in both spaces. We, in our textbooks, like when we're sort of discussing like different mental health conditions and how they present in people, I've, I've only seen how, I've only learned how they're presented in white Caucasian people right wow. i've never yeah. 
I, I wasn't sort of taught like how they're presented in black and ethnic minority people, which mm-hmm. I think is really important. And I think yeah. it's also a key mm-hmm. um, thing in how like the police, for example, or sometimes even health professionals of higher in higher positions mm-hmm. as well, um, treat mm-hmm. those who are of black or ethnic minority because how we might present when we're unwell might come across as overly aggressive or um, mm-hmm. overly this or mm-hmm. overly, you know, it's very much exaggerated. Whereas it's literally the same thing as what maybe our white counterparts might be presenting as. But because there's already this stereotypical view of what a, a black man, for example, or a black woman should mm-hmm. be like, whether that's a black woman having mm-hmm. a higher threshold to pain or uh, being, being yeah. too loud, being too, too aggressive, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, that's the first thing they think of. It's not necessarily, oh no, actually there is something, there's something odd about it. Let's investigate from a clinical point of view rather than from, mm-hmm. oh no, this is person's aggressive. Let's just, you know, let's restrain them. Let's do this, that kind of stuff. So I think there's, mm-hmm. there's a real importance in um, ensuring that p- uh, health professionals or even um, those in the public sh- uh, sector like police are trained to understand whether it's the differences or how these symptoms can be presented in different mm-hmm. races mm-hmm. and i know i can't remember the guy's name there's a uh i can't remember he he um he released a, a book on um different types of skin conditions oh yeah in, in black yeah. people oh, yes mm-hmm. I, I can't remember mm-hmm. his name but i thought that was brilliant and i mm-hmm. just thought oh wow i wish we had the same thing but also for like mental health mm-hmm. conditions as well yeah. like wasn't yeah. there like a study um, that came out recently saying that um, it's something around like black women um, displaying mental health uh, depression that is very hard to identify when they have depression, something along those lines. It was, I think it was like a yeah. HuffPost um, article. And and I was thinking, why is this coming out now? Like I've known this for so, you know ages, but it's true. Like yeah. how we present mm-hmm. in terms of like, uh, whether it's a neurodiverse condition it's very different because oftentimes we have to mask, right? People have to mm-hmm. mask their, um, yeah. their difficulties. So I think that's so important. And I hope one day we have something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like with black black people, Asian people, there's like another layer of we're dealing with like struggles on a day to day just because our skin is a different mm-hmm. color. And it's like the public services they don't really seem to like people go into these jobs I'm not too sure about police but they go into most jobs because they want to care for people they want to look after people they want to mm-hmm. keep people safe mm-hmm. um, but it's like they want to keep people safe that look like them and other people it's like oh yes. these types of people also have a, a problem they also struggle they also suffer they also <laughs> feel pain it's like they, they completely like oh. disassociate <laughs> themselves from, from people that don't look like them and like yeah. you see it all the time like there's like white children are treated so much differently to black children white children are treated like children black children aren't treated like children and that's because like teachers even teachers themselves they have this bias where it's like like the black children if they act up look you see it with with the um what you call it the what's it called when a kid gets kicked out of school um Exclusion. Um, suspended, excluded. Yeah, like exclusion. Yeah. Like the stats there, it's like black children get excluded at higher rate, rates than white children. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. the teachers, no one is trauma informed. No one, there's not like a standard thing that everyone follows to ensure that like all children, all people are treated the same. And it's just, it's going to be a constant mm-hmm. cycle until it's really like embedded in 
every yeah. area. And it's, it's such it's such a shame because it's like, what can you do other than raising awareness? What can like we do as individuals? We can't really do too much. Even working in these like industries, it's like, mm. oh, I wish there was more that everyone could do. But it's yeah, it's really tricky. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think obviously um, awareness is is great, but mm. actually, like I said, it's it needs to be embedded in their training mm. before a teacher mm-hmm. qualifies to become a teacher. I don't know what the process is. That has to be part of their training. Even for me, before an OT or yeah. health professional or, or a doctor qualifies, the the cultural aspects of an individual, mm. right? That has a hev- heavy contribution to how a person can present if they were to have a, a mental illness or a neurodevelopmental um, condition. It heavily impacts like mm-hmm. how they can present. Like I know even from the from an African culture sense, like mm-hmm. how we. So I'm Nigerian. So how a lot of Nigerians sort of view mental illness is totally different from the the Western world mm-hmm. sort of view in terms of like maybe that's more clinical where from a cultural sense they might have a different approach to things and it's just understanding that especially when you're talking to families like a Mm. lot of Mm -hmm. i realized that a lot of um families of ethnic minorities they're very hesitant right they're very hesitant to a come into contact with the mental health services uh because yeah they just don't it's so strange to them they don't know what Mm -hmm. it is or they're faith they're fearful you know, they've seen the stories where mm-hmm. people get sectioned and detained and maybe not treated as right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think education yeah. is key. And also, I think um, actually just naming and shaming. I think that's also a, a thing. Like, we need to name and shame um, some of these awful conditions and awful mm-hmm. situations that have happened so that the world can understand. Mm-hmm. Like, it needs sometimes a shock factor is needed in order mm-hmm. for people to be like, yeah. okay, right. We need to talk about this more. What? Why is this happening? Yeah. Um, so I think that needs to be so yeah. education and just having that uh, shock factor is important. Yeah. And it's going to take a long time because, you know, we are sort of embedded mm-hmm, in a system where it has been a certain way for a long period of time. So obviously change is going to mm-hmm, be yeah. different. But I can say like, especially in prisons, um, mm-hmm. obviously they started sort of rolling out like neurodiversity leads, which I think is a good That's start. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, oh, wow. like, if That's you could have that, um, cultural um, aspect um, in there as well yeah um, and just being able to understand that you know there are different presentations of um, neurodiversity and you know asking the question why is our prison system so ob- overpopulated with black and ethnic yeah. minorities why mm-hmm. yes. why is that why are yes. there so many gaps in in their reports like when I'm trying to assess somebody or trying to gain collateral information why is it I can't find mm-hmm. anything whereas most of the time when I go to like the white counterparts, like some of the, uh, the yeah. Caucasian patients, it's full of information. I mean, I could, I, I've got a, an that's, abundance that's of crazy. information that I can collate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's actually crazy because that it's just, it's like it's proof it's proving what we already kind of know of of these systems and just and even like just the fact that obviously we understand we understand that these systems are institutionally racist we understand that and how but then it's just like actually pointing out that this is how institution institutional racism this is how it it comes up yeah you know, it's for example like it is those gaps in the reports it's these lack of information and because how does someone so say if um say if um 
having a different if um if a black person was um given a different therapist yeah what like would they still do the extensive um would they go through the extensive work to actually find out the gaps in the information or would they just try and just be like oh okay i'm done with you and move to the Mm -hmm. side because that lack of care is there because and it's and it is presented through institutional racism and this is what this is what we mean by these institutions being racist you know yeah. like yeah i think there's I've- always this idea of um of oh um racism is you know using the n-word all of this stuff but no this is this is what institutional racism is yeah i find it interesting as well that um they're hiring like neurodivergent leads and stuff like that in prisons because i guess this is like a form of reform in prisons but at the end of the Mm -hmm. day like the core for me at least looking from the outside in i've never been in a prison but like the core problem is that there are people just in cells and like if you go in prison i'm not sure of the stats but do you come out with like worse mental health problems than what you originally had or you sometimes people develop mental health problems while being in prison because you're confined to like four walls and the environment's not the nicest environment so it's like they can make mm-hmm. these little implementations but how yeah. how do we make prisons better like how do we make how do we improve yeah. prisons when they're they're in the they're just the idea of a prison isn't isn't nice like being locked in a cell it doesn't mm-hmm. seem very like holistic or like therapeutic it's yeah 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 absolutely i mean you're right like most prisons or at least the prison that i was in um you're locked up 23 hours a day right you get one hour of break time um and you're right like Mm -hmm. um unless you've been like formally diagnosed with a mental health condition and maybe from prison so what we can do is transfer you from prison Mm. to a psychiatric hospital to receive treatment and then you know obviously come back or yeah whatever um for the rest of them who are on the wings and obviously have like whether that's low mood or you know other forms of a mental health condition uh, mm-hmm. mental illness um and then when they are released usually they're released with no no money literally with mm. a plastic bag yeah, yeah. yeah. you see them yes. not even plastic yes. sorry a paper bag because we're not allowed plastic bag a yeah. paper bag <laughs> um you know coming the gates open you see them come out and that's it like maybe like a, a, a bus yeah. pass one-way bus pass to their destination that's it like that's yeah. so dangerous it's it's so dangerous and think about it like if that person doesn't have family doesn't have a place no. to stay or abusive family solved. like yes yeah. they've been punished yeah. right and stayed you know stayed in prison for however many months or years but in terms of the rehabilitation back into society how do they rebuild their lives mm-hmm. again they're mm-hmm. just gonna end yes. up committing a crime yeah, exactly. and coming back yeah, yeah because um that is because it even just speaks on how like prison isn't actually made to reform people it is actually just there so people Punish. can go out to reoffend to mm. come back in um because like and i remember what i watched a documentary about this and they like they were given like 42 pound or something yeah. <laughs> and then just literally they're just outside of the gate and one guy was there saying oh now nah, you're gonna see me here next week <laughs> he was so just like there's, there's nothing there's nothing for me out here just my friends are in prison i can i've got stuff that i can do yeah. in prison but like there's nothing for me outside because mm-hmm. how am i meant to live like it's worse for me living outside where yeah. i don't have anywhere to live i don't have any family i don't have no money i can't get a job because obviously now it says that i've been in prison how am i even yeah. meant to get a job mm-hmm. um so like it's literally just like the only thing for me is to go back and that and just even that mm-hmm. is is crazy just like 
the the system isn't actually well like as much as we can talk about reform and stuff unless you're going to reform and help people get on their feet provide people with jobs you know you know and is and as well this isn't just giving any any old job like we should be able to provide people with jobs that actually will like they can do with their skill level because let's like people are skilled like people do have brains people can actually do things you know what there's so many talented so many talented um Mm. people that i met you know in prison Mm -hmm. and um like you said like even that integration back into society in terms of getting a job that's where sort of we come in as well as occupational therapists we support them in that sense but I remember like it was only two myself so I was the lead occupational therapist and I had my Mm -hmm. colleague another OT Mm -hmm. Um, it was only two of us in an entire prison we imagine we've got over 2,000 prisoners there's no way we can wow in terms of the investment in that sense it's very little mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i think more focus needs mm-hmm. to be put on that and you you're absolutely right a, you, a lot of people reoffend so that they can get back into prison because it's more like a safe haven right they can get food mm-hmm. three times a yeah. day yes they're locked in right but at least they've got a bed to sleep in mm-hmm. um at least they've got yeah. people checking in and at least they've made friends on on the units mm-hmm. or you know yeah. on the wings um so i think it's, it's it's really important to um i think in terms of staffing and ensuring that we see ourselves so prisoners or patients mm-hmm. even see themselves in higher positions so for example a black woman mm-hmm. or an asian uh woman or, or or man like as a as a director who's making anyone yeah. anyone who's sort of making those impactful decisions um they need to mm-hmm. be represented also in the in the mm-hmm. population that they're treating because you yes. find that that is where those decisions are are made really um yeah what's interesting is that you'll see a higher population of uh let's say black nurses right or just black people mm-hmm. in more like lower level or mid-level fields uh yeah. but the yeah. higher up you get literally literally the whiter it is like when you look on the board yeah. of like the directors yeah. and, and everything you see mm-hmm. how white it gets so i've always you know that's why i'm sort of working i've always worked hard to try and get to the top um to yes, be part yeah. of those decision makers because um, the question you yeah. asked um, before about, you know, what else can we do? So, yes, I mentioned awareness. I mentioned mm-hmm. education, but positioning is also important. Mm-hmm. At the end yeah, of the day, like, true. if you're at the top, you have the most power. You have the most say. Mm-hmm. You're listening to mm-hmm. the most. So, I think that's key, too. Yeah. Yeah, I- definitely. Like, this in every industry, like, we need, I was gonna we say need to be there. We need to be... Mm. Like we need to be making ourselves seen, making ourselves known and be in those rooms making the decisions because it's just like to be honest, like we've always been kind of presented with that with that glass concrete ceiling all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just like but then but we need to be in these spaces to actually impact change so then yeah. we can actually be present mm-hmm. <laughs> in that in that sense as well. It's just and it's in, in every single industry. Like Absolutely. yeah, this is crazy. Yeah. Absolutely. But we say that and then you look at um, Rishi Sunak, the most powerful man in the country. Yeah. He's not got the, the people's interests and the same with you know like Kemi and all of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's another thing. Like, I think we mm. also need to be um, mindful that we're not putting people up there just as a token, just as yeah. a, a tick box. Yes. Just to say, oh yeah, yes. we've got an ethnic minority, we've got a black person in there. No, like at the end of the mm. day, we want somebody who is skilled. Take mm-hmm. race away, take cultural background away. Yes. 
just somebody who is skilled who is passionate about making changes the right changes Mm -hmm. so that's the first thing Mm -hmm. right and then the second thing comes in like somebody who's relatable because that is Mm -hmm. that is how you're going to get people Mm -hmm. on board um so yeah like he's yeah you've got you've got you know our our (laughs) you know shunak where even though he's what he's asian a lot of people can't relate to him no you know no no. I mean, in my opinion, it doesn't <laughs> present as like, you know, someone who's like personable or someone who's no. like down to He's get a robot. to know, like, right. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's I mean, what, watching him in the food bank, that was enough. Like, oh, yeah. Enough Let's not even us. talk about that. I cringe so hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, no. No, yeah, this embarrassing, just, yeah, <laughs> yeah embarrassing. Um, But, yeah actually just another thing just talking about kind of um because you've spoken about kind of like that generational um like just speaking on like generational trauma and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and kind of um trauma that is passed down through um the black community and through kind of like also like people of color and stuff like that like what how yeah what do you think of like kind of the importance of actually having kind of black therapists and people who look like you just to actually be able to help with with that and having that understanding that there is kind of this passed down um Mm. yeah there is this trauma that's passed down which actually is affecting mental health of every single each generation each time Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um, I think with, with generational trauma, actually, I'm doing a talk on this in a couple of months' time. So Ooh. when I've got the details, oh, I'll amazing. definitely share that. Yeah, um, yeah. Everybody keep it. Him. But it's so <laughs> yeah. Everybody watch the space. It's, it's <laughs> so key. It's so key because like, uh, especially if you are let's you know if you are black, for example, right? Like mm-hmm. generations and generations ago, like we've gone through sort of traumatic stuff and. One thing people don't realize is that, I mean, in my opinion as well, I think trauma can also be genetic. It can mm, be genetic. Yeah. It can sort of shape like how, you know, our, as it as we're sort of like grown in generations, it can shape how, you know, we view the world. It can shape how we behave. Mm-hmm. Like um, you often hear about like, um, uh, like a genetic, um, pre-distinct factor in terms of uh, getting a, a mental illness so some people mm. are more genetically mm-hmm. uh, prone to mm-hmm. having schizophrenia for example um, and then what would actually cause that would be like a trigger event mm. so maybe somebody who um, whose parent had schizophrenia or had some sort of mental health problem um, you know when they're mm-hmm. born maybe everything's fine but as they grow up and they experience like traumatic events they might be more prone to to getting that so i think for us like in terms of black and ethnic minorities where we've had so much trauma in terms of like slavery in terms of racism mm. in terms of just feeling like the whole world is against us not even just feeling but actually literally yeah. the world being against us um mm-hmm. it comes up a lot in terms of how you know people present like they might be just they might be very sort of like kept to themselves they might be mm. um yeah defensive um a lot of people they might turn to for example drugs or they might turn to like you know other forms of you know trying to heal themselves in the way that they mm-hmm. feel the best they can but unfortunately that doesn't always work that way and i think Mm-hmm. You mentioned something about trauma informed practice, right? Yeah, and yeah. I remember when I, I remember when I did the training for that, mm-hmm. and 
literally there was nothing there was nothing mm. about wow. uh, generational That's so uh, bad. trauma in a sense of like from a cultural perspective. So I did, I asked the question, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so what about, you know, we've spoken about all different types of trauma. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, what about the trauma that, for example, me as a, as a black person uh, or other, you know, black people in terms of, you know, what's happened to us in the past from gen- our grandparents mm-hmm. and great grandparents. And there was very little mm-hmm. evidence. No, there was literally nothing that the lady could say to me. Yeah, and I thought, wow, like at the end of the day, we are working. If we know that we're working with a population where it's heavily, um, you know, dominant in terms of having black and ethnic minorities, right, and Asians, and um, mm-hmm. I think it's only right that we actually be educated in that sense, in in mm-hmm. knowing what yes. the, what um, the impacts of generational trauma can look like, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but there isn't that much evidence in that sense. So again, that's what I'm sort of basing my talk on, like just having more focus on how, um, you know, a lot of the trauma that we um, have or, you know, can manifest in different ways. And also a lot of people, like when they think about PTSD, for example, like I remember I was talking to Mm -hmm. um, this young guy, like who who was in prison, you know, I I can't remember what his crime was, but it was, Mm. you know, it was, it wasn't minor, but it was like he was getting into a lot of trouble and he'd mm-hmm. been in and out of, of prison. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I sort of discussed to him the impacts of, you know, PTSD. So, and once I mentioned the word PTSD, he was like, no, I don't have PTSD. What do you no. mean? Like, I haven't done this, I haven't done that. But I was like, yeah. but you've witnessed, you've witnessed your friends getting stabbed, for example. You've witnessed yeah. your friends uh, be, you've witnessed uh, things in the family, um, if in the family household that were traumatic, that is mm-hmm. another form of trauma. Trauma doesn't always have to happen to you directly, or it yeah. doesn't yeah. have to always happen in a physical sense. It can also be like, and it doesn't always have to be. Things. Yes. Yeah, and it doesn't always have to be like a war zone. Like when we hear mm-hmm. PTSD, um, yeah, PTSD, we just think of it as, oh, that's what veterans get because they've been Absolutely. to war, and it's just like. I think something that we are minimizing and I think society is just, we've come up quite desensitized to it is that actually like a lot of people have kind of been in situations where it is quite similar to a war zone. Yes, and you don't realize that. Um, just cause we're so desensitized. Mm. Um, yeah, just in that sense. Um, yeah. yeah, sorry, but carry on. It looks, carry on. It looks, yeah. But if you think about it, a war zone, I mean, if I'm honest, when I, first thought about like PTSD, I in my mind, like visually, I imagined like a white soldier and you yes. know, that, that's yes. what I had in my head. I never would have imagined yes. like a young black kid, like, I don't know, in an estate, like in terms of like, you know, the gang wars, for example, mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. Um, you know, people in like in their households having arguments and mm-hmm. there being domestic violence, for example. Like mm-hmm. I never would have imagined that. That only came through talking to people. And that's another thing. Sometimes we don't have the time or we're not given the time to be spoken to, to mm. have our stories yeah. just be heard. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a great yeah. way of learning. That's how I've learned in terms mm. of my journey in, in my in my uh, in my practice. It's just by talking to people. Forget mm-hmm. about what I've learned mm-hmm. in my in my training. It's by understanding people's stories and just being open to listening despite what they've done despite the journey yeah. that has sort of gotten them to this point um and mm-hmm. i think that's also a key factor because you will start to learn like um you start to learn and understand 
why somebody has gotten to this point and almost like mm. place yourself in their position and again i always try yeah. to say like because sometimes it can be <clears throat> controversial depending on the crime because i do mm. you know fortunately mm-hmm. work with people who um have been in the media in terms of high profile mm. crimes and i always try mm-hmm. to be you know understanding especially towards like victims that no Mm -hmm. i'm not agreeing with what's been done what's been done is absolutely wrong and yes there should be Mm -hmm. you know i do believe in consequences Mm -hmm. right especially if that person has capacity to understand what they did it's still Mm -hmm. it's never an excuse to hurt other people yeah Um, yeah but again like i said this cycle is going to keep on keep Mm -hmm. on coming it's it's going to it's going to continue unless we get to the roots of the problem and we need yeah. to especially with the young kids we need to stop treating them as adults they're, they're mm-hmm. kids at the end of the day yes. right they're kids yes. who you know unfortunately at a young age have been exposed exposed to very adult things and especially mm-hmm. the criminal justice system or sometimes even the uh, medical industry we look at like a 14 year old as as especially a 14 year old black boy for example as a mm-hmm. i don't know a 30 year old black man that no this mm. is a kid mm. yeah, technically so yeah their brain will not develop fully yet until they're 25 that mm-hmm. is that's a scientific yes. thing so mm. yeah yeah it's just there's so many different factors but yes this generational yeah. thing i think that's really important and it's very overlooked yeah mm-hmm. i think as well with like ad- adultification i feel like what's so important is making sure that we when someone is a child, we say that they're a child. We don't say young man, yes. young woman, because like we don't we don't call white kids young man. Like oh, that that's yeah. you know what I mean. Like but but yeah. there's this there's this culture of saying oh young man, they're, they're growing up so nice. It's like no, this is a child. This is like a baby. No. Like, yeah. And these these children are witnessing like violence. Some children are witnessing violence on a day to day, and like yeah, as you were talking about PTSD and stuff, like it's. It's interesting. I find it really interesting that people don't see, like, if, if your friend has been stabbed or attacked in front of you, that is that is outrageous. Yeah. Like, that is outrageous. Mm-hmm. But for some people, it's like, no, that's, like, a minor thing. Let me just overlook it. But, like, mm-hmm. I feel like people need to talk about how, how scary this kind of stuff is because I literally yes. could not imagine growing up as a child and seeing things like that because I grew up I grew up in Essex mm-hmm. and like I lived opposite like a farm it was quite quiet all of my neighbours were pensioners and then hearing all of this stuff happening in London and in other yeah. cities mm. it's so shocking and like even a couple of years ago my mum she fell down the stairs and every time I hear a bang now because I had to like take her to hospital and stuff every time I hear a bang now I'm a bit like oh I'm shaking up I think that's like I wouldn't say I've got PTSD but I've got a bit of a like shake when I hear a bang and that's just my mum falling down the stairs that's not seeing blood and guts and everything else and yeah Mm. I don't Mm -hmm. think children realise that this stuff it, it it's really it's shocking it's actually shocking yeah and also like just on on just not not realizing i feel like are especially like a lot of um the younger gener- generation as well are we just getting so desensitized because we're just seeing it all the time through social media like it's like um mm. there was a recent in- incident which i will i will bring up in a bit but um like all the time all we've seen is black people 
being killed, black people being uh, beaten up. And then as well, when it's kind of like, when you have shows like Top Boy and stuff like that, like I didn't, um, I can't speak on like the newest season cause I didn't watch it, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, okay, cool. We, we see, we're seeing the lifestyle and I know that they just want to, um, they want to actually bring to light what that lifestyle is, mm. what might actually bring people into the lifestyle and stuff. However, like, is there just some parts of it which are glamorizing it, which are making people be like, oh, yeah, well, this is normal, like, and mm. like normalizing the lifestyle when actually this is just, it's not a normal it's life so not normal. To, to be seeing this and to be living like this. And just, yeah, yeah just are we getting to a point where we're just so desensitized? Yeah, no, I get what you mean. Like, I, I think sh- shows like that, which you know, I've I've watched Top Boy, and I, to be honest, I do think it's a great. I think it's a great show in terms mm-hmm. of like highlighting <clears throat> the realities of how yeah. a lot of uh, young black boys and and, and girls are, are sort of living in, and even in this current state, because. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it it just gets overlooked. It's like, oh no, this is just a, a minor thing. Mm. But no, a lot of these people are living like that. In terms of sort of, mm-hmm. you know, glamorizing, um, you know, gangs and you know, crime activity that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I think in terms of how they could sort of do better and is just, and I think they have done in a sense. It showed the impacts of mm. what could happen yeah. if you continue to sort of live that yeah. life. Um, but in terms of like how to deal with that trauma i don't know if anyone's quite gotten that right because yeah, again i think even if you come out of like the the fictional sort of context like in our practice in the world that we're living in now we haven't figured that out yet you know mm-hmm. we yeah haven't. yeah and you know always it's, it's really difficult because you know i always find it difficult working with those who have come from that sort of lifestyle um, because mm-hmm. it's at the same time that is their safe haven mm-hmm. right so everything I'm telling them I'm taking them away from a community that mm-hmm. makes them yes feel safe whether I agree with it or not it, mm-hmm. it, that is their family yeah. at the end of the day yeah so I always try to yeah to thread like very um carefully because mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I, I think what I don't want to do because without that for a lot of them they're like okay so what, I'm, what am I going to do where else am I going to go yeah, yeah. This is, this isolate is all them I've as known. well this is all I've known so yeah. it's just it's just making sure that we are able to support them in also creating identities mm-hmm. outside of that a lot of them mm-hmm. I think we mentioned earlier on they're so talented whether that's in the creative space or yes <clears throat> you know at mass or something like that but they haven't had the support mm. from somebody to help them tap into that mm-hmm. you know if you think yes, about it like yeah. I remember I uh was it I worked with someone he you know okay fair enough he was involved in criminal activity right mm. and but mm-hmm. the thing is, yeah, he was so good at this particular crime that he was doing, and it wasn't anything like major or anything like that. Yeah. And I said, listen, if you apply those skills, right, in this sort of field, like this, you know, obviously in a yeah. legal way, yeah. Mate, yeah, you could become so successful. Mm-hmm. And like we had nah. that, we had a really so nice true, conversation though. around that. Like, mm. you yeah. know, I know you've done this, but the skills that you've I don't want to say you've learned, but the skills that you currently have, right? Yeah. Let's push that into something more positive. Yeah. But no, this is literally what I thought of the first of you know the new Top Boy, the first yeah. season of the new Top Boy. This is literally what I thought because I'm sorry, Michael Ward's character. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm sorry, yeah, no, that I guy. That. <laughs> that that 
that guy was so good. He's like, I oh, know. Like, unfortunately, his circumstances led him to this, but I'm yeah. gosh, the guy is just so good. Like, he, he could easily just be a businessman. Yeah. And then it just really pissed me off that um, Deshane wanted to come in and be top boy again. I'm like, mate, you are an old man. Get out. Just let, let, the, let the young boy just do his thing. Uh, but yeah, just like. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, because it's just so true. Because like, like a lot, a lot of these people, they they have just such amazing skills. Which mm. you know what? If if we just had the opportunity that like even like our white counterparts have, even even like say our counterparts who go to private schools have, mm-hmm. you know, just have the opportunity to be able to apply that their mindset to and be told, no, you could easily start a business. Mm-hmm. You could easily start any business you want to, and you know what? It's going to succeed because you have all of these skills. Mm. Yeah, just it would just be so amazing because. Absolutely. Yeah, like, cause a, a lot of a lot of, a lot of these um a lot of these young people, like, I'm sorry, they're all they're all entrepreneurs. Like, they're all they're all yeah. so amazing. You know, you can look at it just, from that it's crazy. They are, you know, and um, I think I can't remember. I think it's called uh Career Matters UK. There's a couple mm. of like as we were talking. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of organisations. Because uh, I will say there are some organisations that are out there who are trying to support those who have gone through the criminal justice system uh, or mm, those who have yeah. like uh, a mental health illness and you know are out in the yeah. community that can help support them so maybe what I'll do is like at the end I'll send you like those links and then you can share them as well yes. for anyone who's listening yeah that would be amazing might know somebody who would benefit from that mm-hmm. um, but yeah like it's just like even in terms of like mute like so um, I was fortunate enough to get funding um, to mm-hmm. recreate the therapies, um, the therapies uh, sort of department in the prison, and one cool. of the things that we uh, were able to do was to create a mini sh- music studio. Uh, so we had oh, a wow. music therapist who would come in and work with um, yeah. the different offenders, whether mm. they had a diagnosed or undiagnosed condition. Like it didn't really matter as long as it was mm-hmm. something that could support them during their time there. Um, so I think like there are certain initiatives that we can sort of continue to do and obviously continue to build on to support um, those people. But do you know what I was going to say? Um, youth centers, right? So I don't know about you, but I, I mm-hmm. can barely see a youth center that's like fully functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they they don't have enough funding and stuff like that. And I remember during my time, like mm-hmm. back in the day, years, years ago, <laughs> uh, <laughs> when I was a young kid, like would have like youth centers. And sometimes I would go there myself, like just to, to have fun, like just to yeah. be around people. Yeah. Um, but uh, nowadays because of funding, unfortunately, or sometimes mm-hmm. it's not even because of funding. I think, I think also another part of it is just, just taken away, taken away from these communities. Um, mm-hmm. Where are these young people meant to go where they're meant to yeah. spend their time after after school if they can't mm-hmm. spend their time at home like yeah yeah a lot of these people they like we, you know we're talking about trauma they come from a household that's maybe dysfunctional and whatnot so they they seek like mm-hmm. other places they seek mm-hmm. older people right so they talk about older mm-hmm. people who can like take them in um and sometimes they seek in the wrong places so not having like yeah safe spaces like youth centers around it can be very detrimental and I, I, it's just so sad mm-hmm. to see that a lot of them aren't functioning fully or they've just been closed down it's really sad to see yeah yeah it is it's such a shame it is such a shame um yeah one thing actually so um I kind of want to come back to something so something that happened r- recently on social media that's been going around um 
yeah, so there was a girl who uh, she she poured boiling water on her ex friend and yeah, stabbed her <laughs> because apparently she was. Well, we don't know because apparently she was talking to a guy who was not her man, who she's not claiming. And basically she did all of this out of um, respect. Like the girl Mm. wasn't having enough respect for her, which, um, yeah, like, so this just kind of like, just popped up on our our radar. And it was like, okay, in in this kind of situation, yeah, like, and also kind of when it comes to like dating and friendships and stuff like that, how like mental health can actually play, like play in just sometimes it's like it kind of like, yeah, how you feel like someone has kind of um, perceived you or has done something towards you just makes you kind of act out in a way that, yeah, like like what is this about kind of like with the whole like res- respectability and stuff and, you know, just someone who has just basically kind of, well, cause she decided to film the whole event as well yeah. and um, put it on social media and stuff. And it's just this whole idea of what, yeah, just yeah. <laughs> just what, no, what is this I, about? It, it's like, it's very Black Mirror. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very strange. I mean, I don't know the full context of that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from what I sort of heard and what I saw, obviously that it seems like a very irrational response, right? Mm-hmm. To yeah. whatever she felt was done to her. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously the fact that she filmed it as well, I don't know what the motives were behind that. Um, I think yeah. she, I think the, the police have been involved in that situation. Yeah, they have. Yeah. Involved. Um, but again, like, you know, the, the, I guess dynamics in terms of like friendships and how, you know, everybody feels like they need to be treated in a certain way, right? Like mm-hmm. everybody has that mm-hmm. thing like, oh, I wouldn't do this if I was this person or, you yeah. know, you have this thing where it's like, no, you, you have a viewpoint of how you would uh, behave. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't know, I think, are they young girls? I'm not really sure in terms of the, the age yeah. group as well, but I think I can... a, a lot has... Like, a lot of it can also be to do with like maturity levels. Mm, um, yes, yeah, and yeah, maturity levels. Um, maybe how you've seen things being handled in your life, mm-hmm. whether it's your family mm-hmm. life. Obviously, again, not justifying yeah. the action because you, you know one thing I, I always say is um, the first thing I always ask is: Did this person have capacity to understand what is right and what's wrong? Mm, uh, what was yeah. the intent? Right. Was there any intent yeah. behind it? Was there intent to harm? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously in this case, you can clearly see the intent was to harm this person. Um, but yeah, if you, if you, I guess if people want to sort of dive deeper into it in terms of like trying to understand how could somebody reach that point where their only rational yeah. decision is to do that activity, mm-hmm. despite whatever has been done to them, obviously from what I hear, um, I don't know, it's something to do with boyfriends or like, I don't know, she, mm. felt, she might have felt like she's yeah. hurt in a certain way. I can't, I, you know, sometimes it's yeah. hard for me to take this stuff um, <laughs> seriously. But again, maybe that's just, <laughs> I, I don't know, I might just be older. Uh, but I think maturity has a lot to say in it, especially how you yeah. handle friendships. How I handled friendships when I was like 16, 17 is very different to how I mm-hmm. handle friendships now. I have a lot more understanding. Mm-hmm. I have a lot more like, you know, I might not agree, 
with what's been done but in terms of how I yeah. address it it's in a more mature way because I have to understand that mm-hmm. I myself I'm not perfect and also I myself might react in a way that other people might not agree with so mm-hmm. as adults I would think that we should you know we should try and see each other's point of view and it's not to agree yeah. I don't I don't you know you know this whole thing where some somebody might be like okay I hear you but I don't agree with you mm-hmm. like I think sometimes yeah. that is okay because mm. yeah um sometimes you might just be really hurt by what somebody has done to you right mm-hmm. and I think it's important to acknowledge that that you know yeah you, you might understand why somebody's done that but maybe I wouldn't have done this exact same thing yeah mm-hmm. um, but again where the maturity comes in is how you handle that don't handle it with violence you know mm-hmm. and yes like, yeah even sometimes verbally what you say like it's it's always important to have uh, a level-headed mindset um, and, mm-hmm. and I think this situation it seemed extremely extreme and excessive and yeah again it just kind of made me wonder like how has she sort of seen um conflict dealt with in her mm-hmm. relationships whether that is in her other yeah. friendships in her family relationships i don't know anything mm-hmm. about this girl but that's sort of mm-hmm. the questions that come to mind yeah it mm-hmm. kind of makes me think as well like with what you're saying about um someone's brain doesn't fully develop until they're around 25 if this girl is 20 mm-hmm. and she's just stabbed someone or anyone under the age of 25 I guess that they then they don't fully have the capacity to know right from wrong like to they're, they're not all the way yeah. there yet but at the same time that doesn't justify what they've done because if they yeah like what you just said went through some sort of trauma when they were a child then their brain has had like some sort of stunts in like its development but it's, it's hard because like isn't the age of criminal responsibility I think 18 like 7 or 17 yeah um, or 18 it's all over okay. the place like all of the things are all over the place because yeah. it's like so your brain you're not a full adult until you're 25 you're a child until you're like all of the, everything's different you can get married at this yeah, age you can exactly. have sex at yeah. this age yeah. and every country does it differently so <laughs> why, why can't there be some consistency because if the science is saying your brain isn't fully developed until you're 25 then before that mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm not there should be a little bit of grace I feel like even though stabbing is always wrong murder is always wrong it's still like mm, it, this mm-hmm. person isn't fully developed <laughs> it's a bit confusing yeah. i think i think there's there should always be room to try and understand to mm. get to the root give people the mm-hmm. opportunity to be understood right mm-hmm. now the yes. outcome could yeah. well be that hey I understand, but my stance doesn't change, right? I yeah. still disagree yes. with what you've done, right? And usually that is what would happen in the courtroom. Okay, we've been given all this collateral information. We've been mm-hmm. given your uh, background information. We understand what led you to this point. However, uh, I don't know, you might have had, you still have the capacity mm-hmm. to understand what's right from wrong. But it's also, mm-hmm. it's just to be given the chance to um, have your viewpoint explained. And I think, that's what that's what's really key because that's how we get to understand certain behaviors that's how reach research mm. um, ends up, ha- yeah. end up happening and you know yes i mean technically yes in terms of the brain being fully developed um and i, I say this in terms of doing like certain assessments psychologists they mm-hmm. won't do it on a younger person because yeah like i said it's just not it won't mm. work in that sense um 
But, you know, like you said, it's not consistent all across the board in terms of yeah. like, when can somebody mm-hmm. be arrested? When can somebody get married? When can someone, like, mm. there's so many different yeah. things to look at that doesn't sort yeah. of match mm-hmm. up. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's such a sad situation. It's such a confusing situation because I think she filmed it herself, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, yeah, I, just, so I just hope... I just hope like in terms of the investigations that's happening that obviously they look they're going to look at it from different angles and not mm, just at yeah oh this is a person who just randomly threw I don't know what it was a hot yeah. water and hot someone water, yeah. yeah and she's just given um, us all the evidence and the end yeah <laughs> like, yeah and I'm sure yeah. you know you never know like a lot of the time especially when you see things in the media that is another thing you mm. see things in the media mm-hmm. and that's one thing I've learned right um, and maybe because I'm privy to I guess being able to work with certain people that have been mm-hmm. uh, yeah. high profile. Yeah, I, I look at the media and I'm like, you have not got the full story. You, mm. you don't. You don't know what's happened. You don't actually know, understand. Mm-hmm. Like you haven't got the full picture. But interesting. That is how the media is. They start to pick up pieces that seem most interesting mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. seem most like it's, it's it's the biggest like wow factor to get people reeled in. Or sometimes it's to paint a narrative as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's be real. Like especially. Uh, when you hear a black man has been arrested for committing this and that, that's mm-hmm. literally all you hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you won't, yeah. you won't see that. Oh no, this person actually has been sectioned twice before mm-hmm. and is on a mm-hmm. has been on a depot. Depot is an injection, right? Or has been some sort of medication in the community mm-hmm. and has been non-compliant. And because of that non-compliance of medication, they have now relapsed in their mental health. Mm-hmm. So all of this, situ- you know, all of these things, and it's happened to me. Like when I was a care coordinator, and uh, so. It's, so I was a care coordinator um, and I had patients under my case that I was sort of taking care of, making sure they're mm. taking their medication. And, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it does happen. Like, it's unfortunate. People stop taking their medication. They're not committing a crime. I see my patient on the news. I see the narrative mm-hmm. that's been painted. I'm like, no, you guys don't understand. Like, you don't mm-hmm. understand. No, this person's actually yeah. mentally unwell. I'm not justifying what's yeah. happened. But can we have a bit of context? Because it's really dangerous, the picture that's being painted to the media. Because all the media's yeah. going to see, all, you know, uh, employers and, you know, organizations mm-hmm. they're going to see is a black man that has been arrested for a crime. It's like, here we go again. This is mm-hmm. why we don't yeah. hire black men or women, or this is why we don't do this. And it's just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really sad. It's really sad to see. Yeah, I yeah, agree. definitely. Um, yeah, as well. Sorry. So another thing as well, just kind of coming back to like mental health, kind of in the black community, mm. and kind of like, um, like, and that that generational trauma again as well. So like, when it comes to kind of like for example, our parents and stuff. So um, like our parents starting to now understand about, oh, mental health is a thing. And actually maybe this could be something that could be beneficial. So, um, and like then as well, kind of seeking it out because because it's kind of actually recognizing actually like the way, like for example, kind of like say, um, say like so I've I've grown up in a Caribbean household and kind of like my my mom has this thing where like she'll she'll do for example we were like clothes and stuff like we'll go we'll buy clothes but then she'll save she'll save the new clothes for best kind of thing <laughs> and then like 
and then then she'll end up forgetting about them. But like when with me, she's always encouraged me. Oh no, you just bought that. Wear it. Wear it out. Like yeah, it's nice. Wear wear your clothes. Make sure you're wearing your clothes, because like she knows that herself. She always forgets about the clothes, but she's still got this ideology of saving for best, and yes. then she forgets about it when it's best and and it's like this um kind of hoarder mentality that is actually quite um like well known like within the black community Mm -hmm. and stuff like this idea of okay you don't actually you don't it's not often that you have nice things so then you have to keep the nice things like on show it's like it's like the glass cabinet in the front room Mm -hmm. (laughs) that kind of thing yeah that no one's allowed to touch (laughs) um like with stuff like that and recognizing kind of that that is also a part of mental health and that is something yeah. that is passed down like yeah what what are kind of your thoughts on that and with kind of even seeking out kind of going to therapy and yeah, yeah in that sense do you know what i feel like you guys were in my conversations yesterday because that's exactly <laughs> what we were talking about um the border mentality and you know what? i share the same sort of experiences of like and I'm sure like some of like your listeners might experience this as well, where, you know, our parents, like they, I don't know, they buy stuff and we've got like mm-hmm. boxes and boxes of things in our mm-hmm. house, but to throw it away, it's a massive issue. It's like, no, no, yeah. no, we need it. We need it or We need to ship it Literally. to, ship it to Nigeria. We need to ship it to this cousin <laughs> or to this guy. I'm like, mom, the boxes. our entire house is full <laughs> of things that we don't need. Now, yeah. You know, like you said, it's like, you know, obviously when I was younger, I used to get really annoyed, but as I'm getting mm. older and I have a bit more knowledge, and we are talking about this yesterday with the Frontline Therapist, which is um, a service that um, mm-hmm. black and ethnic minorities can access for really low prices. They mm-hmm. offer therapy, uh, mainly talking therapy. Cool. Um, and it's easily accessible. All of, all of their therapists um, are uh, culturally diverse. Mm. Uh, so you've got black Asians, you've got so many Amazing. Uh, ethnic minority therapists on there. So definitely check out the frontline therapist. Um, but yeah, we sort of discussed like, you know, where does this mentality come from? And you know, when I really asked my mom about it, like, why do you keep, why do you keep so many things? Why don't you want to yeah. throw anything away? You know, um, she sort of like told me, and that's how you start to, when you, sometimes when you ask parents questions, like they start to open up to you and, you know, she was sort of telling me about how she didn't have much. So her sort of initial reaction is to sort of keep things as much as yeah. possible because you don't know yeah. when they're going to be taken away from you because mm-hmm. maybe in the past things have mm-hmm. been taken away from her and she's been left with nothing. Mm-hmm. So uh, when mm-hmm. we see like certain behaviours from our parents, I think obviously as you get older, you have more understanding, right? You mature in your mindset but it's to have a bit more empathy for them because mm-hmm. a lot of them mm-hmm. have gone through traumatic experiences that they've had to suppress in order to raise a family, in order mm-hmm. to ensure that you as yeah. their child are, you know, are flourishing. You've got the best opportunities. They, you know, they come to this country if if they haven't, uh, if they weren't um, born or raised in this country, they've come from another country to seek a better life, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I understand not all parents um, are like that, but for them, even for those parents mm-hmm. who... Um, aren't like that in a sense of caring for their children because I know some people do experience like uh, you know maybe toxic relationships um, with their parents mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. It's also again understanding that okay, so where does this toxic 
toxicity come from? Like, how was their relationship with their parents? How was their relationship growing up mm-hmm. with adults in their family? So again, in terms of that uh, generational trauma, like it, it trickles down to, you know, whichever, yeah. like it trickles down to, you know, to us as well. And even with us as well, like I'm sure there's certain things that might have happened to us or uh, we've seen that can also shape how we... Um, mm will treat our own children or you know our future mm-hmm. generations and and also this is sometimes subconsciously as well there's certain things that we can be conscious of and we can be like okay no i've seen that that's that doesn't work i'm not gonna i'm not gonna implement that when i'm mm. uh, you know when i'm a parent but then there's certain things where mm-hmm. we just can't help it because we don't even know yeah. it ourselves it's something that we haven't tapped into and sometimes yeah. we are at the brunt of our parents trauma that is just a reality mm-hmm of it mm-hmm. and i guess now like obviously with mental health being such a uh you know a popular topic and i think a lot of the older generations they're starting to understand that okay mental health is a thing they might not understand it to its full extent um, mm-hmm. and they might have mm-hmm. some beliefs like oh no yes we know mental health but i don't know pray it pray on it or if you're you know if you're mm-hmm. religious pray yeah. on it or yeah. like uh, no it doesn't matter you're fine you're fine they try to downplay mm. it or they're like oh well mm-hmm. you know nothing major just happened to you so why why are you depressed why are you low in mood so yeah you know literally. obviously there's yes, certain yes. miscommunications and, and mm. how they understand and perceive what mental health is but I think now is I would say like <clears throat> when I'm talking to families I think they're more willing a lot of them they're more willing to understand that this is more i think they're more willing to understand that that there isn't just the physical health side of things there's also the mental health side Mm -hmm. right Um, yeah and i think as we start i think as we start involving them i think that's the key thing involving them in those conversations Mm -hmm. involving them in trying to understand their own trauma let alone Mm -hmm. their child's or somebody else's their own potential trauma that's maybe when they start Mm -hmm. to be more understanding like oh okay i actually get it i get it it's not a physical thing that i can see but maybe i can see it in how i've treated other people around me my friends my brothers my sisters my 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 children so yes and and also it can it can it can literally just be like it doesn't have to be anything uh major it can it can be like hoarding for example it can be like you know yeah um being very stingy with money and just say, you know, not wanting to buy certain things because you never know when you're going to get your next paycheck. Or even mm-hmm. if you are, mm-hmm. you get some um, adults or, you know, parents and or grandparents who, you know, they've had, they're in a good job, right? And they've got constant money coming in, but still they can't help themselves. Mm-hmm. They, they still yeah. have certain <laughs> traits. They can't help it because again, it's just something that's so instilled in them that they, they're doing it without even knowing. So I think that's really interesting. And I'm sure a lot of people will sort of relate to the fact that, especially with the hoarding stuff and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. certain traits that their parents might have. Um, yeah, but it's, it's just, I think we just need to be empathetic, really. Mm-hmm. At the end of the definitely. day, we can't erase what's happened. What's happened has happened, right? Yeah. We could only try and educate them be more empathetic. Understand that they're not going to change just like that. Mm. That's another thing. It's not a quick fix. Yes. For us, it might be easier to change our mindset. For them, it's something that they've grown up for years. So we mm-hmm. need to understand that their mindset might not 100% change ever. But just that yeah. little bit, that little bit of understanding and change can make such a huge difference in having positive relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I watched um, a documentary, you know, KSI, the YouTuber. I watched yes. um, his documentary on Amazon the other day and it's really good. It's just like, it's a short documentary about an hour or so. And he talks about therapy. Like he's probably one of the richest people in the country, let alone like richest black people in the country. Mm. And he um, he's so young. I think he's only in his twenties still. And he, a big like section of the documentary is about therapy and the fact that he and his dad growing up, they they hardly had any one-on-one conversations. I think he's Nigerian. They hardly had any one-on-one conversations. There wasn't really any love between them. It was just like the dad would work mm. and bring in the, the money and he wouldn't spend any quality time with him or his brother. And he he basically, that's one of the big reasons why he's in therapy because he just doesn't have a close relationship with his dad. He doesn't understand why his dad didn't give him like affection and hug him and stuff growing up and there's a really like beautiful moment where him and his dad have a conversation about this and his dad acknowledges he's like yes I really need to improve my communication skills I can see like I've actually done things wrong as a father I've done things wrong Mm. and it's it's interesting because that it felt like a really nice moment where this was like a generational kind of like curse or whatever just breaking it was like they've they've finally like freed themselves they both promised that they're going to work with each other and it's like therapy unlocked mm-hmm. that for like KSI it made him realise that look you you did nothing wrong your dad it's your dad who he should have been more affectionate and it's it's nice seeing stuff like that that's like mainstream because they both cry I think they both cried and it's like you don't see Aww. that often two black men yeah. crying on TV especially someone like him he's so rich he's got everything that you could want mm-hmm. but yeah. his relationships with his family is something that that's so important to him that like the, it, it's been worrying him obviously it's been keeping him up um mm-hmm. and yeah it was, it was a really good thing to watch actually um mm-hmm. but i was just wondering how you think um these kind of conversations can start with like family members and even with friends like how do you hold space and like even the buzzword like safe spaces and stuff how do you create them um yeah and hold space for people i think it's it's i think first of all approaching conversations without judgment Mm. even if you do Mm -hmm. because i think naturally as human beings we do judge a little like it's Mm -hmm. sometimes perfectly normal but when you're approaching like sensitive topics like that um i think in the and your approach could just be like your tone of voice you don't have Mm. to say anything magnificent it can literally be your tone of voice like okay tell me like tell me how you grew up like how did you you know what was your journey like like be inquisitive and you'll find that once people are seeing like they're interested in you they're more Mm -hmm. likely to you're more likely sorry to open up right um Mm -hmm. especially if you're doing so without judgment don't Mm -hmm. approach it as a thing as a uh, a way like oh you know i'm trying to fix you or anything approach it in a sense where look i just want to know i just want to listen yeah, uh, yeah. Be, be inquisitive be interested um ask questions ask follow-up questions so that this person also feels like oh wow they, they actually want to hear my story mm-hmm. and you'd be very surprised like how much somebody will say without you asking so mm-hmm. many questions because once you've opened that door of okay this is a safe space this is okay clearly they're not judging me they're mm. more likely to keep on talking and talking and talking. And I think we can have that same approach with like the older generation as well, mm, where yeah. we can just ask them simply, what's your story? Tell us, mm-hmm. we want to know. We're interested in getting to know you. Make it about them. Mm-hmm. Make them feel mm-hmm. like, make them feel like, yes, that they're, they're special in that moment. Mm. Um, 
because oftentimes they don't have that moment to feel special yeah. oftentimes yes. they're maybe thinking about other people how they can make others feel special how they can care for other people sometimes only just mm-hmm. thinking about the practical stuff like no mm-hmm. money food work like they're just they're not mm-hmm. thinking about themselves at mm-hmm. all so for somebody else to think about themselves to think about them um could really help as well and i always i always use this very short analogy of you know when i'm talking to uh patients or just other people in general that um that might need help but i can see they don't want to open up i'm like okay let me hold what's it let, let me hold this hope for you mm-hmm. i, I want to hold the hope for you because you might not ho- have hope for yourself let me hold mm, the hope for you i have that's hope nice for you. yeah okay that's beautiful. And of, it, it's sort of like <laughs> moves that responsibility from them when they yeah. feel like oh they have to put up a facade or anything it's like no forget that yeah L- mm-hmm. I-, I just want to listen to you it- mm. there's no judgment there's no i'm not gonna sort of be like oh no but you shouldn't have done this and that's another thing like mm-hmm. if you're if you really if you're telling them that you are willing to listen really do listen don't come in with like mm-hmm. um you know suggestions unless they ask for it don't come in with like suggestions yeah. or anything like that um and yeah i think and and this could happen like in terms of like how to approach it as well it could happen like in, on a random day like when you're mm-hmm. outside it don't it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. a formal one-to-one setting it could just be in a conversation like something you can maybe see something that they're doing like, oh how can you do that and then that mm-hmm. can sort yeah. of um, yeah. generate a conversation um but i think it's important it's like i said that is even in for us as practitioners or for those working in the public sector, you'd be very surprised. Like we had, we're so, you know, we're educated in all these things. We're so skilled and talented in all these other areas. But the one area we lack in is just to listen to each other. Mm. <laughs> just listening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oftentimes, we, you know, we feel like we're the most important ones. And like I said, that is a normal feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah but to those people who have not had the chance to ever feel like that if you give them the opportunity most of the time they will grab at it and mm-hmm. they will want to take it so um mm-hmm. that's a, that's i think that's like sort of the best way to approach it yeah um, oh, yeah i really like that i feel like yeah because yeah, you know you know with what you said about like about most people feeling like they're the most important like because like, obviously everybody everybody's the main character in their story yeah so yeah. Every, everybody is the main <laughs> it's character <not> a <laughs> yeah of course not and then it's just like because i feel like sometimes something that i feel like i've dealt with is sometimes not feeling like the main character and just mm. feeling like i am a side a side character in everybody else's story and mm. um and like and then that has been something that personally i've been trying to work on to actually no you are the main character mm. <laughs> kind mm. of thing and um just yeah and just stuff like that like I feel like that that's another side of it where it's like okay how do we kind of uh, remind ourselves okay yes um and like giving people grace that of course people are feeling like they are the main character but then also kind of making sure that you do put space for yourself or you find friends where mm-hmm. you can also, where you can be a main character alongside your friends and, you know, have space for yourself in that way. Um, yeah, sorry, I don't I don't know what I'm, what I'm trying to ask. Or yeah, what, no, what I, I, to say, I, but, no yeah. I totally get that. So, and there's been times, like I remember when I was younger, like I always, I don't know, you know, when you have like different groups of yeah. people, like you've got the popular kids, you've yeah. got the, the geeky kids, 
I never knew where to place myself, like in my mm, head anyway, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I was such, I had such a big imagination and I like, I'd, I used to read um, like Wattpad books. I don't know if anyone remembers. Yeah, so. I did. Oh, wow. <laughs> I used to read Wattpad books, like back in a time where they were yeah i didn't know they charge um, now oh goodness <laughs> yeah um but yeah like i just remember like trying to reading all these things watching all these movies and trying to say okay so where do i sort of fit in like mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm i'm not popular i'm not this i'm not that um so i always sort of felt othered and whatever people in terms of my friends and people that surrounded me did that intentionally or not. And also I'm, I'm, I'm the, um, I'm the eldest child as well in my family. Mm. So again, okay, just yeah. not feeling like that I had the space to be a kid for as long as possible. Like I had to mm. grow up quick. Or I, yeah, I, had to, um, I had, felt like I had to grow up quick. Um, mm-hmm. So I think with that, surrounding myself as I got older I started to be more intentional with um surrounding myself with people who um made me feel like I added value Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um made me feel that my voice was heard that my opinions um sort of mattered Uh, and that's the sort of people I started to gravitate towards right Mm -hmm. um yeah and it's not always easy like so you know obviously friendship dynamics change but it gave me the confidence. Like as I started doing that, it started giving me the confidence in believing in myself mm-hmm. um, and feeling like, yes. you know what? Yes, I might not be the loudest person in the room, mm-hmm. but I still have a right to speak. Um, mm-hmm. I still mm-hmm. have, you know, I still have things that I feel like I can contribute. So no, I definitely do understand like not always feeling like the main character in either your own story or even other people's stories as well. Mm-hmm. Like where do you sort yeah. of fit in? Um, but once you start to create that sort of bubble for yourself and you start to be more intentional with like, okay, I like this. I'm going to gravitate to this more, you know, actually praising yourself as well. I, I started, Mm -hmm. so I, I think I, I don't know if you watch Mary Jane, uh, being Mary Uh Jane, uh, with Gabrielle Union. Oh no. And well, she, her character, she always used to like put like these sticky notes on her mirror Mm. and it would be like okay. full of affirmations yeah and I remember like seeing it, I thought wow that's cool and I yeah. actually started doing that and yeah. you know, obviously people can journal and things like that but mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. boosting yourself up like listen mm-hmm. if nobody else gonna cheer me on let me be my biggest cheerleader right yeah so I remember like mm-hmm. doing just before an exam I would write myself a note I put it on my table like oh well done you've done your exams it's over mm-hmm. now oh. you passed don't worry so coming back yeah. and reading that because maybe you know because I you know I I didn't get it from anyone else so I might as well yeah. give it to myself and it might seem strange yeah. but the more you do it it's also altering your mindset to sort of mm-hmm. believe that mm-hmm. actually you don't need to seek affirmations from other people yes it would be nice but if you can't do it to yourself yeah um, yes. so I always yes. advise people to try that out. I love that. Oh, Whenever I, love I that. have like a, a struggle, I always either like just big myself up at the end of the day or I order like some nice food. I always treat myself if I know I'm going to have like a yeah. busy week and I know by like Thursday I want like I've just had loads of meetings. I want to have like just I want to treat myself. No one's going to treat me. So I'll treat myself. I'll mm-hmm. buy myself a nice mm-hmm. takeaway. And like stuff like that actually does help so much. It's really strange how much that can yeah. make you feel good. And 
I feel like um, on a separate point, like when it comes to friendships, I've noticed that people like really, really do appreciate when you're attentive and when you're, um, mm-hmm. when you remember things and when you ask questions, when you're actually really interested. And I've started to notice yeah. that like I now surround myself with a lot of people who really are interested in my life and I'm really interested in what they're up to and how they yeah. are. So when I see people that aren't like that and I come across people who aren't like that, I'm now shocked. I'm like, oh, I forget that this hasn't trickled down to yeah. everyone mm-hmm. yet. There's still people that- yeah are their main character and they literally don't care about anyone else. They'll just do their thing and they won't bring anyone else in. And there's a lot of people like that. And I forget, I'm like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally a crazy thing when like, you you start to realise that about some people Mm. and it's just like, wow, this is is actually the person you still are. And it's not, nothing has changed. and, And as well, it's just, because sometimes it's like just recognizing those times and recognizing actually what place do they hold in my life and what place mm, yeah. and what place do I want to hold in their life kind of thing mm-hmm. and just even like just coming to terms with that because sometimes it's like it's very draining to still be trying to kind of tease that out of someone where mm. they are not in a space to give that as well mm-hmm. and just recognizing that actually maybe they are just not in that space where they can they where they can give you that um yeah and just recognizing that and also recognizing where your boundaries are and like you know mm. like That's maybe just thing, yeah. yeah maybe just saying to someone actually I'm not in the space where I can listen to all of this right now um mm-hmm. like I'm really sorry but I, I can't at this moment I know maybe you've always been that person that they always come to but then maybe just get to a point actually I need to set this boundary that right now I don't have the capacity for this um which yeah. is some, which again is something that's very difficult to recognize and to implement in in friendships because you, you just don't want to hurt anyone's feelings mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely that that takes I think that takes a lot of courage as well to be able to put in those firm boundaries because like you said you mm-hmm. don't want to hurt anyone in the process but it's super important and again I think that comes with maturity as well so to the person who's receiving that to be able to mm-hmm. say actually do you know what I appreciate it like mm-hmm. it might not be ideal but I appreciate you saying that because now I you know I know what's happening or I know to sort of give you a space a little bit but mm-hmm. yeah. um, but not sort of taking it to heart and still being able yeah. to maintain that friendship because mm-hmm. you're now you're open and transparent and honestly like that could also teach that other person to be boundaried in their own lives as well and Mm, you know it's it's like a a ripple effect and that's what we want we want other people to be able to sort of um, hold space for themselves and to be able Mm -hmm. to identify actually no today I'm not feeling too great for this you know for us to be discussing this or Mm -hmm. sometimes you might get triggered that's an oh god so many things we're talking about um (laughs) some friends like seeing other people you know get married or like have kids mm, and stuff like yeah. that and they start talking to you about it and uh, come, there was this uh, a reality show what's that show on Netflix where blind blind love at blind love is blind love is blind yes yeah yes. Uh, one of the characters um I don't know she's on another show and she said to her friend that actually I there is I don't have the space to you know 
discuss sort of like because she just got married right and obviously mm. the other girl just mm. got divorced and she was able to identify oh, wow. that and tell her actually that has triggered me mm-hmm. and whilst I am yeah. happy for you I just want to let you know like you know why I've been so distant and that's because um you know I obviously I've just gone through a divorce and mm. I, I just don't have the space to uh, and the, I'm not in the right mindset to sort of mm-hmm. be coming to all these things with you. Like I can definitely yeah. support you. And anyway, so just having that conversation, mm-hmm. especially like as we're getting older and as we're all sort of experiencing life in different ways, mm-hmm. um, it can sometimes be triggering. Triggering as and to be able yeah. to have the conversations with your friends and say, "Oh, actually, I'm not feeling too great because this and that." is mm-hmm. another yeah. form of vulnerability that I think is needed in, in all friendships and relationships. Mm-hmm. Yes. That reminds me, um, I saw, actually I saw something where um, a woman was basically, she was there saying how she turns up all the time. So a lot of her friends are all like, they're having kids and stuff like that. And she's been to their weddings, everything. And basically she was talking about as, I think she called it a dink relationship as in like, um, just, but yes yeah but it means like okay if you're you're in a you're in a relationship a dual income relationship with no kids or something that's what it means and um and she was saying okay so she's just been engaged but she's feeling about feeling like all of these friends who just had kids and who have just got married they're not turning up for her has how she was turning up for them when they were doing it and she's like this is a big thing for me but they're not doing it and it's like oh people with kids they just think that oh my gosh, they've got kids and they're more important. And, but it was, just, it was interesting listening to her cause it's kind of like, yeah, but like everybody around you, they've been through these stages already and stuff. And you were happy there to support them and stuff. But then it's like, was that support genuine then? Or were mm-hmm. you just doing it cause you were expecting it back? But you're not, but are you recognizing that maybe like actually having kids is actually a lot, a lot for these couples you know and maybe there is a lot they're dealing with and maybe it's not that they're not happy for you (laughs) maybe it's just that they're not at the same stage that you're at right now and you Mm. guys are just in different circumstances um yeah and it was just it was just really funny just like listening to her I think so I did I did watch that video as well and it kind of made me realize not that I didn't know it before but like when something is a big deal for us, so whatever momental, monumental uh, moment, whether that's having a kid, mm-hmm. being married, getting engaged, like we, it's a big deal to us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But obviously, to somebody else who's seeing this experience happen to happen happening to you, yes, it is it is a big deal. But mm-hmm. you might not share the same sort of. Um, feeling towards it like in terms yeah. of oh wow this is big deal unless it was happening to you mm-hmm. right it's exactly. like what they say about business if you go into business if you if you've got a business and you try to get somebody on board like they're not going to have that same passion as you they're going to be willing to support mm-hmm. you they're going to be happy mm-hmm. for you but they don't have that same passion yeah um, so i think it's the same like in this sense where i'm sure her friends are happy for her but mm-hmm. like you said because they've got other stuff going on in their lives and for her she might feel like, wow, this is a massive thing for me. Why is nobody showing me that same energy? And I don't, yeah. I don't my first thought wasn't, um, you know, whether her support to her friends was genuine or not. Mm-hmm. I just saw mm-hmm. like, look, she's going through something that obviously she's really, you know, it's, it's, it's big for her. She's sort of expecting the same level of support. Mm, yeah. I think 
what people then need to realize is that you know like you said things change in people's um in people's lives especially when like a a kid comes in in place Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. i think it's on the friends i think from the friends part if they have hadn't already it's for them to communicate and say hey yes i'm super happy for you i would love to attend your this or that but i'm so sorry i've got i've got i don't have childcare or something i don't know mm-hmm, something along yeah. those lines right um and i think that's that's the most important thing acknowledging yeah. acknowledging mm-hmm. that other person's feelings and that other person's situation if they hadn't said anything mm-hmm. or if they just sort of brushed it off like yeah they're just getting engaged and you know I've yeah got a kid. yeah it's, it's almost like you're trying to weigh both of them like up a hierarchy yeah yeah it's like a hierarchy yeah. and that's not it's not nice for anybody to feel like that exactly like, oh, my situation is more important than your situation no yeah and that's where communication comes in and i'm sure if her friends communicated to her um and said you know and the thing is you can show your appreciation in different ways you could send mm-hmm. you know it's not all about sending presents and stuff mm-hmm. but if you were to like even a phone call or just to just an explanation yeah. can go such a long way and she might yeah. not have had that i don't exactly we don't know all the details but like I saw some of the backlash and I think mm-hmm. in my opinion some people are sort of missing the point it was more I I saw it as more as you know she feels like yes yeah, she showed up for people and I think in her mindset she also needs to realize like listen today somebody might show up for you next year it might be a different story because somebody I don't mm-hmm. know somebody might be in a different position and you just don't know people's situations even if you're friends yeah. like if you're friend, sometimes people they might not tell you the full story so I think it has to be a two-way street in terms of communication. There has been a breakdown yes, definitely. in that sense. And that's probably the, the key reason as to why she's been upset. But yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting, like, just reading other people's opinions and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it was like yeah, everybody just... was kind of coming for her a bit. But like, cause I, I was <laughs> like, okay, I can, I can understand, like, her point of view because... You know, she's not at that stage where she's having kids. She's not, she like, you know, she's just got engaged, like, you know, yeah. but she's been with her partner for how long? And I think as well from her side, maybe she feels that people are just looking at them being like, oh, well, you've been together for how long? You've already been, you've already been doing that, that anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's not a big deal. You've been engaged. Of course you should get engaged mm-hmm. kind of thing. But it still is a momental aspect in her life. But, but yeah, but you have mm-hmm. to think about is the communication there because, yeah. um, you know, she she came to social media to talk about it, like, um, but we don't know she's gone to her yeah. friends to talk about it at all. Yeah, we don't know. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so was, yeah, was, that's yeah, that's quite was, interesting. Yeah, but I, the thing is, I, I I think if I look at my friendship group, I mm-hmm. think I have not to that extent, but I have experienced like, oh, well, I've done. I don't know. I've made some, maybe something petty, like when I was younger, mm-hmm. or I made this person feel special on their birthday. But then when it came to mine, yes. yeah, like nobody, nobody's asking me what I'm doing. Everyone, mm, you know, and yeah. you sometimes internalize that, and yeah, and it's not that it, it's not to say that when I did do these special things for you on your birthday that I was just doing it just to so you could to, receive to, back. To mm-hmm. No, it wasn't that. But it's just people remember how other people make them feel right mm, and yeah if you if you feel like you know you've sort of done something to support somebody else whether that's a friend or not and then you're not receiving that back it can mm-hmm. it can be upsetting like it's that's definitely just what it is um and it doesn't take away from the fact that you know 
you wouldn't do the same thing for them or you wouldn't be genuine but Mm -hmm. it's just like listen i expect the same thing or at least i expect like an explanation or something yeah Yeah. i feel like you just need to like work out which friends are for which things and if your friends Mm -hmm. aren't providing you with the birthday things there are other girls out there that will that are really into birthday things just join a club join a group and you'll find more friends that can provide you with that and that can fill that gap that you're kind of missing because yeah Yeah. i feel like that's it's common like people people do expect things back like i've had it where i thought wait i've done this for you but you haven't done it for me but you can't force anyone to do anything. You can't, you can't yeah. try and push people to do stuff that isn't in their nature or isn't something that they want to do. So mm-hmm. you just got to work out what you want to yeah. do next. You can't really just try it. I feel like, yeah, starting arguments over things like that is just don't bother starting an argument. Just work out what you want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And work out that space. I do have mm. like one more question. <laughs> How are you guys for time? Like, because I just got one more. Um, okay, so yeah, so there's just one thing that I wanted to ask. So, kind of like how we've spoken about setting boundaries with friendships and kind of how do we and like how do we communicate with friendships and being that main character when it comes to dating like (laughs) you know would you say it's like a similar it should be kind of a similar type of thing as in you need to kind of set those boundaries from early and try and have these communications from early to try and get kind of a re- for a relationship to th- to flourish for you to get to the next stage and and even with kind of like the demise in relationships or even like with in dating culture where you've got ghosting and stuff like that like mm. like is it kind of like mainly due to a lack of communication like in, in your opinion yeah. lack of communication and fear of setting boundaries as well um mm. and I can definitely speak on that from my experience where I know deep down within myself what my boundaries are I know mm-hmm. that this is not something that I will tolerate but maybe for the fear of like I don't know things not working out or or maybe you might ghost me or I don't know something like that I yeah you know I might sort of shy away from putting that firm boundary in the first place but do you know what I think again mm-hmm. that comes with like experience and as you make mistakes and things like that but I think setting boundaries especially in relationships is very important as soon as soon as you even start entertaining anything as mm-hmm. soon as you start yeah. sort of building that friendship as well just like you would in friendships set those boundaries um because especially if that boundary is super important to you that isn't gonna go away mm-hmm. like you might mm-hmm. be able to cover it up with whatever excuses at the beginning but that is that's going to creep up on you Mm. like at some point whether that's in an argument or whether that's just in in another you know form of uh, expression like that is going to creep up on you so and and also once you set boundaries it's like it doesn't always feel good by the way setting boundaries Mm -hmm. yeah um sometimes you might feel like oh actually am i doing too much um depending on what the reaction of that person is they might be like wait, mm-hmm. wait hold on a minute mm-hmm. and make you feel like you're weird for thinking that way but no yeah set boundaries so that you eliminate right you eliminate all the um the people that you know you just generally wouldn't have a connection with or you you know doesn't align well with your your values mm-hmm. um mm-hmm again it just saves you from hurt it's again speaking from my experience it saves you from <laughs> just feeling confused um yeah you have clarity you both have clarity on mm-hmm. 
where you're at and again like i said it doesn't i think that's probably why it's really difficult because it doesn't feel great to put in a boundary in place it feels awkward it Mm -hmm. feels um you know like oh you're doing something wrong it makes you doubt yourself but actually the more you do it the more you you learn to be firm in making those decisions for yourself Mm -hmm. um I think also boundaries can change and they can come up at different times as well. Mm, um, it yeah. doesn't always have to be at the beginning of a relationship. It can also be, uh, you know, during a relationship as well where, you know, mm-hmm. you've noticed something and it doesn't sit well with you. And like I said, having having an open and honest rela- uh, communication uh, with, you know, your partner or whoever you're dating or trying to get to know um, usually should help that other person also kind of understand where you're coming from they don't have to yeah but Mm. it just saves you from further just confusion Um, yeah and it helps you build that um autonomy for yourself and Mm -hmm. you you were talking about like being that main character you can you you, that's another form of being that main character is putting yourself first putting your needs Mm -hmm. first um Mm -hmm. and ensuring that you're not just you know pushing yourself to the side just yeah you know the sake of another person i feel as black women it's like it's ingrained in us and we've been taught to put everybody else first and not to Mm. think of us and to think of ourselves as an afterthought it's like it's ingrained in us to do that especially even like say um like growing up in a household where okay yeah you have to like for example maybe like for you Jenny you've had to look after younger siblings and stuff like that like Mm. you you're taught to kind of be like no you need to look after everybody else first even even with the when we've spoken about kind of a lot of black women are kind of pushed into going to nursing not not necessarily pushed but just that's that's what where a lot of us mm-hmm. are represented it's this idea of yeah we need to take care of everybody else but mm-hmm. thinking of ourselves as but like an that, afterthought yeah and that's also another sort of um you know effect from generational whether that's generational mm-hmm. trauma mm-hmm. and um <clears throat> you know like you said you're being taught to you know mm-hmm. not think about yourself as the first priority and that yeah. can also trickle into relationships that you have, whether that's romantic relationships, friendships as well. Mm-hmm. And you start to mm-hmm. see like similar patterns. Um, yeah. In that way. So it's just, it, it can be really sort of detrimental as well. And I don't know, it's, it's just really difficult. I think, again, the main thing now, what's great now is that more and more people are with social media, right? More and more mm, people mm-hmm. are talking about their experiences. And I, I always find it, yeah. yes, it's, it's funny at times, but I find it reassuring when I hear somebody else going through the same experience and mm, yeah. seeing them handle things in a way where I'm like, yes, I, I I wish I had that confidence or like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that next, you know, providing that aligns with my values as well. So I think the power mm-hmm. of social media, the power of people speaking out about their experiences, sharing their stories, um, can really help people in this sense, in terms of setting boundaries, mm-hmm. in terms of, um, you know, breaking those generational curses as well. Yeah, or starting that, per- or starting that process, um, if if anything. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, and as well, just I wanted to. Oh, I've forgotten what I wanted to say. Like I wanted to touch on something, yeah. but I've forgotten. Just um. 
But yeah, like definitely, because um, especially with when it comes to dating and just not even knowing how. Yeah, what I wanted to say actually. So because it's been um, sometimes there's a debate of like women who will say, oh yeah, they will avoid asking the question, what are we kind of thing. Oh, <laughs> like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but. I feel like I am I am backing no be asking the question every time because you know what if they disappoint you if they don't have the answer that you're looking for then at least you know you have the clarification yeah, yeah. and you can leave and you can mm. and you can go elsewhere and and like find someone where you can ask that question and not be feeling fear that it's going to end and hopefully like the answer isn't I don't want nothing from you like kind of thing yeah. and you know, so I just feel like I'm very much like on that on the side of no, keep asking the question, what are we? As awkward as it is, just keep yeah. asking. <laughs> I even think like at the beginning, like since I've been like maybe the last few months on dating apps and I've been kind of making it clear straight away that I'm not looking to be in a situation ship, like I'm looking for something serious. And mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. asking that question first and being kind of a bit in control of it and say, thinking, oh, like asking, oh, like, what are you looking for? Like you mm-hmm. see what people respond. And if it's vague, it's, if it's like, oh, I want to go with the flow, I'm just on here, like to blah, 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 blah. You can literally then decide. I don't like treating people like they're disposable, but you can decide whether this person is for you or not for you. And then yeah. decide whether mm-hmm. to continue, decide not to. Like you shouldn't fear asking these questions because they're going to help protect you and they're going to help you not waste time and like find the right people and it actually works better because you end up dating people that are actually serious invested interested um Mm -hmm. but there's definitely like a fear around being like so transparent and so open and so um like it feels kind of vulnerable it's like oh i'm looking for a relationship how cringe it's like it's like there's shame around it as well (laughs) yeah it's like sometimes like you're women like I know, I know to be honest like from my experience I've been shamed for actually saying what I want and being told actually you should be you shouldn't be saying that you should be looking for this and it's like excuse me don't, don't tell yeah, me that or, I should be looking for what you want they love what, to say, what, for what you want from me they love yeah. to say oh I want something organic that happens naturally it's like oh yeah but I'm allowed to want something <laughs> oh, organic gosh. and also something that like I'm, I'm allowed to desire something yeah and be yes. intentional <laughs> like I'm yeah. not just gonna go with the flow forever <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people I'm not a go with the flow type of person. No. I don't know what's happening, when and what. Like, mm-hmm. you yeah, just, you just have to step. If you set that standard, like at the beginning, like you said, I don't mm. think it's harsh to be honest. You eliminate people that you yes, won't be compatible yeah, exactly. With. That's just that's what it is. You save yourself a lot of heartache, a lot of mm-hmm. headache, and you sort you know you gravitate towards people who align with you in on, mm. on that level. Um, mm-hmm. There's nothing worse for me. There is nothing worse than feeling like, oh, I've just wasted my time. Yeah. I've literally, yes. I've I hate just it. wasted this time where I could have been doing something more productive or speaking to somebody who, you know, yeah. again, had the same sort of values as me. Mm. But no, I want to go and entertain someone out of fear yeah. of not speaking yeah. up and setting boundaries. So, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's so crazy. <laughs> Just, yeah. But do you know what? It's reassuring that, you know, I'm sure with people listening to this, that yeah. we're all sort of navigating similar issues mm-hmm, in that sense mm-hmm. and setting boundaries. It's not, it doesn't always come naturally to, to people. Or yes. sometimes it takes a lot of like confidence, a lot of practice mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. to set Definitely. boundaries. So don't ever feel like, oh, 
I know I need to set boundaries, but actually to get to that step, like it's not easy. Like it's not easy for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say mm-hmm. like in terms of setting boundaries, like just try and try it in other areas of your life as well. Like try it with yeah. friendships, try it with uh, being, you know, being at work, mm-hmm. for example, like mm-hmm. not answering emails after five o'clock if mm-hmm. you finish at yeah. five o'clock right like there's other areas in your life that you can implement certain boundaries that can give you the mm-hmm. practice and the confidence you need to to do that in friendships and relationships too yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely yeah i think it's kind of all rooted as well in like you knowing your worth and that your time is precious and that like yeah. if you say for instance a boundary in my like day-to-day is like i want to be off my phone by 10 p.m knowing that that's Mm. good for my health i'll have a good night's sleep and i have like time in the evening to like read and actually wind down properly like you're you're just putting yourself Mm -hmm. first and taking care of yourself and if you haven't got boundaries like everything is up in the air like everything is all over the place and like Mm -hmm. you'll be more uncomfortable and more stressed like so yeah i agree with what everyone's saying (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah oh gosh this is this was such an amazing conversation thank yeah, you so much I've had so much fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah covered so many different topics we have. we have we have okay so at the end of our episodes we like to kind of inject some positive vibes so like and we just like to think of something that we could you know just put out there to our listeners mm. um so mm. like I don't know do, do you have anything off the top of your mind that you want to inject with us or do you, do you want some time to think about it all? Oh, what do I... I think the first thing, I guess probably because we've been talking about mm-hmm. it a lot, uh, something positive is to, I don't know, find someone, whether that's somebody that you're close to or someone that you don't know, and just give them that... Because sometimes we do need to be intentional about giving people the space to just talk. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes we're having conversations and we're interjecting. We say, yeah, but this, but that. And it's just like, it's not... Mm. you're not really thinking about giving that person a space to think of to speak on whatever they they Mm want to speak about so maybe like i don't know sometime during you know this week coming like just find a friend or find somebody who maybe you don't always speak to and give them the chance to sort of explain not explain Mm -hmm. but like tell a story or ask them how they're feeling or how their day was and actually um you know invest in in their sort of experiences in terms mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. giving them out and I don't know you'd be surprised like I learned a lot I learned a lot from mm. people and also from the person who's receiving that I think they would definitely appreciate that just mm. having like a listening yeah. ear and that can just stem from like hey just checking in how are you doing mm-hmm. or what's been going on how was your weekend and get them to like yeah get them to feel special in that moment mm-hmm. love that. oh I love that yeah mm-hmm. What about you, Diana? Uh, I think mine links to one of our conversations as well at the very beginning about not really, with with career goals, not really knowing options and stuff. So I feel like mm-hmm. people that are a bit unsure, something that I've been doing recently is like LinkedIn is actually really good mm-hmm. for finding people, like finding it professionals is. in your industry. Yes. And like, you can literally just chat. I know like it's annoying sometimes, but you can literally ask people for tips you can like look for mentors Mm -hmm. you can do all sorts on LinkedIn like and everyone well most people have LinkedIn so I'd just say um just if if you're looking to like change industries or you're you're trying to see what's out there then make the most of LinkedIn like it's free and it's pretty easy to use 
yeah it's actually pretty it's really amazing as well because like you can literally mm. go and stalk people if you need to you can, like, you can. <laughs> and just yeah but like you know in a professional aspect like it's great mm. <laughs> and just like mm-hmm. i just ask people questions um but yeah it's it actually is so amazing um mm. yeah linkedin sponsor us um okay so i think what i'm going to inject is um not everybody everybody listening you guys you are the main character okay that's what i'm injecting <laughs> today you are the main character um Noah, and don't don't feel ashamed about being the main character like sometimes you have to actually put yourself first because like, i just feel like a lot of the time we just especially with everything that's happening like just right now in the world and everything mm-hmm. it's just like it's very sometimes it's difficult you f- you forget to just give yourself a bit of love and give yourself a bit of grace and but mm-hmm. you know what you are the main character of your story you're the main character in other people's stories too like and that is cool like that is okay just hold have some have some space for yourself and actually give yourself some love mm-hmm. in that way yeah yeah nice. and create yeah. a space where if you if you don't feel it in other areas create a space where you know you'll feel like you're the main character yes so, yeah. yeah yes do that yeah. as well I yeah i love it. that yeah all of all of the things i love it (laughs) but yeah um thank you everybody for listening to this episode and thank you so much jenny for joining us like this has been such an amazing conversation thank you so much for having me on and and like i said i will i will send over those like um the organizations Mm -hmm. um and some of the uh, yeah things that I've spoken about in terms of yeah. those in, in the criminal justice system, those who have come out. There's a mm. there's a podcast dedicated to um offenders who have come out of the prison mm. system. Oh, amazing. For work and things like that. Um and also the frontline therapists as well. Wow. So yeah. like I said, yeah. um, low cost um therapy for black and ethnic minorities. Um yeah. So I'll, I'll yeah, that's that great. Too. Obviously you can share. Yeah. yeah. Also amazing. um I heard you did a TED talk which is fantastic. Yes. That's so cool. That is oh so God. cool. I just want to yes. big you up on that. Um, like actually Thank I was you. trying to look for it, but I don't know if it's out yet or not. It's not out yet. So I've been told, so this is the TED team from America that it should be out in mm-hmm. a couple of weeks. They're just, okay. just asked, because of the topics I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's literally what we've spoken about today about the criminal justice system, mental mm-hmm. health and neurodiversity mm-hmm. amongst um, black and other ethnic minorities. So they just want to sort of like fact check and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Of yeah. course. Um, <laughs> but that should be out in a couple of weeks time. I actually spoke to them last amazing. week. So they were getting things oh. together. So once it's out, oh, okay. I'll let you guys know. Yes. Okay, we'll amazing. Reshare. Yeah, and guys, we will be posting, we'll be sharing. Mm-hmm. But no, that is amazing. Just like, guys, can Thank like, you. I'm sorry, look at us. Like, we have a TED Talk speaker on our podcast. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm on. sorry. Like, Thank yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I really appreciate yeah, this conversation. And again, thank you so much for having me on here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I think we're speaking earlier on, like, I've been wanting to come onto this podcast for a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm finally here and I've got to do it. So thank you for, uh, for yeah, having me. Yeah, amazing. On the yeah thank you so much for like you know wanting to come on as well mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah no you guys are doing amazing like you're of you know you're touching on topics that you know people talk about like indoors and actually bringing it to light mm-hmm. and you know having guests on and sharing opinions like it's just great to see mm-hmm. um you know two two young women sort of like you know sharing their experiences um and for me as a listener um it's always nice to be able to relate as well and also mm-hmm. to yeah. learn new things 
that's another thing mm-hmm. like sometimes it's gone other times where you have to read books or I mean, mm-hmm. obviously read <laughs> yeah. books, right? but like yeah it's not just that you can also like get information from other mediums such as mm-hmm. podcasts mm-hmm. yeah yourself. yeah oh oh that's so nice yeah. i'm so glad that like yeah that's what we've been doing <laughs> Like yes, to say I've got other people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of Inject It Podcast. You can find us at Inject It underscore pod on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, let us know what you think of this episode. Let's just let us know what you thought. Um, give Jenny some love mm-hmm. as well, of course. Um, <laughs> um yeah, so I'm Alexandra. You can find me at ALX. NDR underscore NIC on Instagram. And I'm Deanna, and you can find me at D E A N N N A B underscore on Instagram. And Jenny, do you want to plug um, anything, all yeah. of your links? Yeah, so I'm Jenny. Uh, you can find me at, at Jen, O K O L O, um, on Instagram, Twitter. Jennifer, Jenny O'Colo on, on LinkedIn as well since we also mm-hmm. mentioned LinkedIn so yeah. um, I have a lot of people who ask me questions about like career stuff so definitely mm-hmm. hit me up on there if you want um, and then also like um, I do a lot of uh, talks on neurodiversity on mm-hmm. mental health in the workplace amazing um, so you can find us at we are sasa underscore where mm-hmm. we'll be talking more about um, that sort of thing too so yeah amazing amazing thank you so much for coming on again yeah it's been so great (laughs) it has been amazing and again yeah we hope that you enjoyed this episode and yeah we'll see you next week guys bye